0: Welcome friends to the November 21st episode of my podcast Medicine in Action. I wanted to continue on our theme of COVID and uh, describe another recently seen phenomena with COVID which are known as the COVID long haulers. So we really learned in the last several months patients who've had the infection uh, continue to not get better for a long period of time and we're learning a bit more about it, so I want to share what we know about it. So, so far, COVID-19 has killed almost a quarter million Americans and uh, across the world, probably four times or more as much. Uh, the About 10 to 20% of people who get the COVID infection are describing a new syndrome, which persists for months after the infection is cleared. As you get the acute Fever, shortness of breath, all of that things go away. But then they're left with these ongoing symptoms which can include muscle aches, they get tired very easily, they don't have the capacity, the endurance to work as much as they did. A lot of them have dizziness. The most concerning things are the cognitive symptoms which are the slower thinking, loss of concentration, decreased ability to focus, Definitely meet it in short-term memory losses. I have several patients like these in my practice. We're also seeing people with headaches, insomnia. Then there's a very unique thing where visual tracking is very difficult. So if you present these patients with a large amount of material to read on a cell phone or electronic media, they have a very difficult time reading it uh, continuously and difficult time integrating the data. And... Uh, there is clearly evidence that some of these uh, patients may have widespread involvement of the brain. Now, the question is, of course, what's causing that? We're, we're not sure of that. Of course, the testing for the virus is negative. So chronic infection is not the cause here, we know that. So many possibilities have been looked at that could potentially cause it. One is that during a very severe case of COVID, when oxygen levels can drop very low, They can be permanent damage to the brain. Not entirely convincing because some patients who have relatively mild illness of COVID still get the long hauler syndrome. Uh, The other possibility is, of course, we know that COVID promotes abnormal clotting in the blood. So is it possible that it's causing a blockage of blood flow to the brain, causing a stroke? That's definitely a possibility. Uh, The third possibility is that severe disease can also start like a very highly destructive super-inflammation, what we call the cytokine storm, and that can leave survivors with damage to the brain and other organs, Uh, but definitely we're not sure what it is. Uh, Chronic inflammation is the most likely factor. We have known about this entity called uh, myalgic encephalomyelitis, also called chronic fatigue syndrome by... In common terms. Now we've known of this uh, entity after many viral infections for a long time. Again uh, the exact pathophysiology is not clear but it's possible that this could be in the same spectrum where the virus triggers certain things in the body or changes. So we believe that you know of all the people who get the Infection, probably 10% or so could get the long-term side effects like these mentioned. So this is another reason why we need to be very, very proactive in terms of our prevention strategies and with vaccination, which is hopefully coming and I'll talk a little bit about at the end of this talk today. So we are now having clinics where people with these persistent syndromes are being treated And for a lot of these people, these symptoms are lasting more than three months. For several of these patients that at least I had, the actual disease was not that bad. And now long-term effects are bad where they're having memory lapses, rapid heart rate even, that persist for months. And uh, a recent survey was done. They surveyed almost 4,000 people who had had the COVID-19 infection. They found 10% of those patients aged 80 to 50, 18 to 50 years old, who had these ongoing symptoms, and uh, f- for some people, even at three to four months, these had not fully recovered. So this is another factor that comes into play when we are deciding the pros and cons of the vaccine. Uh, certainly you want to avoid getting the infection as much as possible because, yes, it is true you could have a very mild infection with no long-term effects, but if you have any major comorbidities, your chance of dying or at least chance of long-term uh, side effects may be substantial. So we cannot definitely... Uh, discount that. And this is a real phenomena, even several of our physician colleagues who have gotten it are describing this. So we know that this is not just a psychological PTSD. This is really a physical phenomena. So currently the most leading explanation is the immune system hyperactivity and inflammation that happens that affects the organs even after the virus is gone. And we have some evidence to suggest that because even in those patients where the virus is gone, There are signs of heart inflammation months after the illness. The markers of inflammation like C-reactive protein are still elevated months later. And then there's another study they did at around 100 COVID patients for about two months after getting sick, and they found that a significant percentage of them had abnormal findings on cardiac MRI, indicating heart muscle inflammation. Even in people who had no symptoms or young and fit, these abnormalities can be seen in We do not know how much of this will result in long-term scarring and problems down the road. There are also some problems people are reporting with gastrointestinal issues where they have this chronic long-term inflammation almost mimicking an IBS. Uh, There is, uh, again, no clear consensus as to, uh, you know, what is the pathophysiology and what can we do. So currently the Treatments are mainly supportive, means that we would go back to our healthy diet, moderate exercise, rehab, uh, to try to get your faculties back. There is no proven role of steroids in this at this time. Uh, The people who get the uh, gastrointestinal issues tend to respond to probiotics, so that may be an issue for some patients that might be helpful. Some people also reported that uh, the stomach medicine Pepsid and interhistaminics may provide benefit to some of the people with these ongoing symptoms. Uh, the main uh, other issue that we have noted is that some of these patients can be developing a condition called dysautonomia, which is a dysregulation of the autonomic nervous system, which can cause fluctuations in essential Involuntary functions like breathing, digestion, and heart rate. And uh, that could be part of the issue where a lot of the patients who report exercise intolerance, fatigue, elevated heartbeats, that could be an issue going on as well. Currently, there are studies enrolling these patients to look at several parts of their biochemistry, to try to isolate more specifically what the causes are, and if there is benefit in those patients to suppressing that aberrant immune response. We, we don't have that answer at this point yet. So in addition to the morbidity mortality, another thing to add in the column to be careful with is the long hauler syndrome with the COVID, and now, Onto the vaccine front, as I said in my previous podcast, both the Pfizer and Moderna vaccine are looking fantastic. Both are built on the messenger RNA platform, a new platform, but showed 95% efficacy. Uh, Do require two shots, and there are going to be definitely some short-term effects. So what we know of the vaccine is that there is very short-lived muscle pain, joint pain, headaches, fever. Most people respond within a day or two with supportive care. So I think the short-term side effects are very manageable. We have not seen, thankfully, any serious long-term ill effects yet, and granted the follow-up is short. In the AstraZeneca study from England, we did unfortunately see cases of transverse myelitis and Guillain-Barre, which were again few. Now, it will not be surprising if these vaccines do come up uh, down the road and show us but traditionally, we've known from all of the viral vaccines, including the flu vaccine, measles vaccine, that incidence is about one case per million. So we have to balance that against this massive in-your-face risk of death, disease, dying, long-term disability. So I think the, in my mind, the balance is very clear. Uh, the, the vaccines are going to be the way to go. So certainly I would volunteer when the opportunity comes up to take the vaccine, and I would do that for my family and friends as well, and I would recommend that all of you thoughtfully consider and take the vaccine as it becomes available. The questions that are still out there are the duration of the benefit. We have not studied the vaccine for very long yet. Is it possible we get the vaccine benefit for only three to six months? That's possible, but I think it'll be enough to turn the tide on the pandemic And the long-term side effects, as we know, we don't know yet. And those are going to be, uh, over time, found out. So, uh, but at the present time, with all the information that we have, uh, in my mind, there is no question or doubt that vaccine is the safest way to go. Be well, be safe. Uh, We are looking, hopefully, towards the beginning of the end of this pandemic, but we'll need to stay strong these last few months. Till next week, have a good week and be safe. Thank you.